Would you like predictable income secured by real estate? HBG Capital offers you the opportunity to invest in real estate that is built to be transparent for the investor while designed to be insulated against economic volatility. We provide investors an effortless way to diversify beyond traditional investment opportunities like stocks and bonds and even popular real estate. Our syndication and lending opportunities offer a high rate of return and are 100% passive, delivering truly effortless income. Many other investments offer passive income in the 4-6% to range. Our opportunities have delivered fixed rates of return in the double digits since inception. Retirement accounts such as self-directed IRAs and self-directed Roth IRAs also qualify for this investment. So, if you are looking for an effortless investment with double-digit returns, then visit our website, www.hbgcapital.net. Learn more today at hbgcapital.net. Welcome to the Recession Resistant Real Estate Radio, where we talk about real estate, passive investing, business strategies, and so much more. I'm your host, Brandon Cobb, CEO of HPG Capital. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm excited to share with you the popular terms used in real estate syndications. If you're new to the world or you've been in it for a while, you've probably heard terms like preferred return, IRR, cap rate, NOI, equity multiple, waterfall, and you're like, what do some of these things mean? And it's very important, especially when you're first starting out making these investments, to know what these mean because you need to know what you're getting into. I was at an event several years ago, Tony Robbins Business Mastery in Vegas. I was listening to Keith Cunningham present one of the best speakers I've ever heard break down accounting, cash flow statements, uh, income statements, balance sheets, you know, all that in super simple terms and make it make sense. I mean, he taught like a six hour MBA, uh, four years of MBA in six hours. It was absolutely amazing. And he, he had told a story that really hit home with me, which was if you don't understand the scoreboard, you don't know the score. And he told a funny story about how he watched the baseball game and he could very clearly tell what was happening based on the scoreboard, the strikes, the balls, the score, what each team was, which inning it was. And then he pulled up a cricket board. And if you've never seen a cricket board, imagine like seven or eight baseball boards just stacked on top of each other. And it was really funny because the point was, hey, if you can't read the scoreboard, you don't know the score. So he was trying to say that, hey, in business or in investments, if you can't read the scoreboard, then you're in trouble basically. So um, whether or not you've, you've made investments before or you've heard some of these terms, I want to go through these quickly. And this is by no means super comprehensive, but it's what I feel are, are really the most relevant that you definitely need to know and understand the implications. So like we all know what equity is, but and we all know what debt is. But what are the implications of that with a debt investment versus an equity investment? So I want to try to shed some light uh, on this real quick. So let's jump in. Uh, first is the term waterfall. This is very straightforward. If you think about a waterfall, it hits multiple rocks from like top to bottom, usually. And you want to think of each 
uh, rock from top to bottom as being like a layer. And think of layers as like pouring oil into water. You pour four or five different oils in the water. All the oils have different elasticities. The oils are different colors. And you get this beautiful separation of layers in the cup. Those layers represent the equity stack. And it's basically when you, whoever gets paid off. So as the waterfall pours, it hits that first rock. Think of that being the first layer of oil. And then as it continues down, it's the next layer, it's the next layer, it's the next layer. As long as there is water to continue going, it'll continue hitting the bottom layers. Well, in the equity stack, your uh, usually the first thing that gets paid that top layer is the banknote. So banknote gets paid before everything else. This is why the term debt to service coverage ratio is so important. If you have a debt to service service coverage ratio that's less than one, that means you're making less money, your income is less than what your mortgage is, and you're in a lot of trouble because you're not going to be able to pay all the other things that you need. You can't even pay the debt to keep it. So you always want to aim. This is why a lot of banks and lenders will look for a debt to service curve of ratio on like single family rental properties or multifamily of at least minimum 1.25. So they want to see that the income is 1.25 times greater than the, uh, than the debt that they have to pay. So uh, that waterfall just refers to where things are getting paid. Usually after the bank gets paid, now it's operational expenses, right? We've got to be able to pay employees. We've got to be able to pay salaries to keep the, pro- the property going, right? Then in the next layer is usually uh, you know, the asset management fee, uh, and then you've got the preferred return to investors. So what is preferred return? Preferred return is just that. It is a set amount, usually... You know, in multifamily stuff, it ranges between usually six and 10%, 8% is pretty average. But that is the layer that has to get filled up first before the general partners. The general partners are the ones that put the syndication deal together, the project. Before they can get paid, they have to give investors their preferred return. So if you've agreed on 8%, they you have to make 8% on your money first before they can make any money. So that's why it's called preferred return is it's in a preferred uh, position. Uh, the last part of the waterfall is usually then some kind of split with the general partners. At this point, they say, hey, investors, we've made you the money, the preferred return that we promised. Now we're going to do some kind of split on all the profits afterwards. So it's a great way to incentivize general partners to align the interests that they have with the interest of the investors. And they're not making money from just fees. All right. The next term is syndication. This one's pretty straightforward. Syndication is just using a special vehicle called a syndication to pull your money together to buy larger assets. So all those buildings that you see downtown, these apartments, they're not bought by one person. It's people pooling their money together, usually by a sponsor. Sponsor is the one that usually finds, vets the deal, and then helps organize and pull all the monies to get uh, all the investors' funds together into the syndication to actually perform and do the deal. So that's a syndication, very powerful tool. It allows Main Street investors, or what I call mom and pop investors, to purchase large apartment complexes, purchase big buildings, commercial retail, um, a space that was that used to be reserved only for deep pocket Wall Street guys. So kind of cool there. Main Street's getting a taste of the action now. Uh, debt. Let's talk about debt first. We all know what debt is, but it's very, very important. If you are a debt investor, this should mean that you are the lender. You are lending money to somebody 
in a debt vehicle, meaning the worst case scenario is if they uh, default, don't pay you, that means you can take the asset back. So usually when you're investing in debt, the return is lower because there's less risk of a monetary loss because your capital is being secured by some kind of real estate asset. So you are, you are the debt holder and, you know, definitely do your research when it comes to investing in debt funds and see how they're structured because you could be splitting that debt with a bunch of other people, which means you don't own the whole asset. You own a percentage of it. Very important. You understand that you've probably heard a lot of floating rate debt and fixed debt going around. Fixed debt is just that. Usually if you buy a home, you get a 30 year mortgage. Hopefully you don't do a floating rate. You do a fixed rate. That means it's absolutely fixed. Usually fixed is a little bit higher than floating rate. Uh, but in the long term, it reduces your, your risk if rates go up. Floating rate debt is just that. It is based off the interest rates that the Federal uh, Reserve sets. The Federal Reserve uh, secondarily influences that rate through their uh, alteration of the federal funds rate. And so through this alteration, the interest rate can get up and down, which can influence how much you're paying on the mortgage. We just went through a historic interest rate rise in 2022 and 2023. Uh, and there are a lot of people who are feeling that. So very, be very careful with using floating rate debt versus fixed. Right now, there's like $2 trillion worth of real estate loans in the commercial market that are coming due this year and next year. And they got floating rate debt. And they're going to be upside down when it comes time to refinance because their uh, asset value is not where it needs to be. And they're not going to be able to cover the debt based on the rents coming in. So big problem there. We'll see what happens with it. Equity. So equity is when you actually own a share of whatever it is. This is a popular uh, vehicle for uh, real estate syndications, usually limited partners or investors. That's who a limited partner is. It is usually an investor that comes in and only invests the capital in a syndication so that they can be in a truly passive position. And usually equity pays higher than debt because equity is being used to go and get usually bank financing. So you might put a million dollars into a syndication. They might go get $3 million of debt, which means it's a $4 million deal, which means if it's a $4 million deal, it should have significantly higher profits than if you're just doing a debt position for a million dollars and it's a million dollar deal. So that's kind of the difference there. Million dollar deal is only gonna have a certain amount of profits. If you use a million dollars and it's a debt deal, there's a limited amount of profits there. If you use an equity deal where you put a million dollars into equity and then you can get $3 million and make financing, that is a $4 million deal. It's going to have higher profits. Therefore, the equity position is going to pay higher returns. But if the deal goes south, there is a greater risk of a capital loss. So your, your risk goes up, but so do your returns. The next is the cap rate. The cap rate is simply thinking about this. It is uh, the value of the asset divided by the, uh, well, let me put it this way. If you've got a asset that is uh, worth $100,000 and after all your fees and expenses, everything are paid, it's making $6,000 a year. That means that you have a 6% cap rate. So it is a function of the value of the asset and the net operating income. So let's talk about net operating income. That is basically your bottom line. What's the bottom line? It's how much money you get to take home after everything has been paid on the asset. So your rents minus your operational expenses, your fees, your utilities, vacancy, everything, that bottom number. And it, it's uh, your net operating income is very important 
in consideration to the cap rate. Cap rates are kind of how things trade. So depending on how popular a asset is, investors might only want like a, like a 3% cap rate. Like it was like a year and a half ago. It was kind of crazy. Investors were like, dude, I really want this asset. I'm, I'm willing to take less cash flow because I see it as a very safe asset. Whereas, you know, if it's something super, super risky, you might have to have like a 10 cap. Investors want to see like a 10%, um, uh, income versus what the, the value of the asset is. So it just trades, but you can calculate the value of the asset, uh, by, uh, taking these two numbers, the net operating income and the cap rate. And you basically want to divide the net operating income. Let's say, for example, you have an apartment, you have a, a rental property and it produces $6,000 a year of, uh, net operating income and you're noticing they're trading at a six percent cap well if you tr if you divide six thousand dollars divided by the cap rate 0 0.06 you'll get a hundred i think a hundred thousand dollars is what that amounts to so that tells you that the value of the asset is one hundred thousand dollars so the value of the asset is influenced by the net operating income and the uh the cap rate of the asset uh the next term is irr this is internal rate of return it's basically also known as like return on investment. If I've got $100,000 and it's been invested for two years and it makes $20,000, that means the IRR is 10%. I made $20,000 over two years. That's $10,000 per year divided into 100. That's basically a 10% IRR. Um, the next is equity multiple. Equity multiple is a term that tells what the strategy is to exit the asset. So you might see a 2X equity multiple. That basically means they're shooting for a profit margin or an exit on the asset that produces two times what the equity invested in is. So if the syndication raises $5 million from investors, then it needs to be able to generate a 1X equity multiple to return that $5 million back to investors. And if it generates a two equity multiple, that means that's $5 million in additional profit. So you're just multiplying the uh, equity um, number right there to whatever the exit strategy is. Uh, next is a management fee. This is usually charged on a monthly basis. Um, usually it's, it's half a percent per year is usually what the management fee needs to be. Um, this goes to the general partners. There's an acquisition fee. This is usually 2% of the purchase price. It goes to the general partners. And sometimes there's a disposition fee, uh, usually 1%, uh, between zero and, and, and 2%, um, depending on the size of the asset. Uh, that is charged to the general partner. Bridge loan. So bridge loan is usually a temporary loan to get from point A to uh, point C, the bridge loan being point B. So you might have a situation where you finish building an apartment complex uh, and you need to get out of your construction loan, but the bank will not give you a long-term uh, loan until you have it at least have it stabilized for one year. In other words, you know, at least 80% occupied and the bank can see how it's doing, right? The health of the asset. Well, you might need a loan uh, to get you from the construction loan into the long-term loan. That would be like a bridge loan, for example. It's temporary cash. Um, cash on cash, basically how much money have you invested in the asset and how much are you getting back on top of it? So 
cash on cash return, if you've got $100,000 invested and you got $10,000 back that year, that's a 10% cash on cash return. Uh, the sponsor, the sponsor is somebody who uh, gets uh, basically usually brings the deal to investors, uh, manages the deal, um, raises the capital for the deal and manages the entire syndication and, and finds the, the operator, um, to be able to, to, you know, do whatever value add strategy they are in charge of the syndication. Uh, loan to value. Uh, so this is how much the bank loan is, uh, towards the asset value. So if the asset value is, $100,000 and you're getting a loan for $70,000 of it, that is a 70% loan to value. Uh, usually most, uh, 70% is usually a pretty good um, determination of kind of where you want to be. You want to be somewhere around or maybe a little bit above or below that 70% number, just depending on the asset and the strategy. Loan to cost. So this is how much the loan is relative to the cost. So if you've got a project that's going to cost a hundred thousand dollars to do, and the bank's giving you a loan for for eighty thousand dollars. That is eighty percent loan to cost. That means that the bank wants to see that you've got at least twenty percent of the cost of the project uh, in in there um, to kind of buffer the loan. The next is the T twelve. Uh, the T twelve is basically a P and L of the last twelve months. It's very important to ask for the T twelve when it comes to uh, you know commercial and, and multifamily. Uh, investments because you want to see how has that investment done over the last 12 months. You want to see a PL breakdown of each month. Were all the months positive? Were any months negative? What like is the vacancy trending up? Is it trending down? Are rents trending up? Are they trending down? Very important to see a T12 to understand how the asset is actually doing. Woo, whoa. We covered a lot of terms today. I hope this helps more stuff like this coming soon as we continue to educate you and get you ready to make more investments that are educated. All right, we'll see you next time.